Hey, welcome to Driven by Design. The one show, the only show that shows you the future of automotive design. With our driven designer himself, Brian Thompson. Hey, Brian. Hello. Good morning. You have brought along somebody else who is similarly driven by this passion to uh, put people on wheels here. Yeah, I have a very special guest today. Every guest is special, but this one is super special. <laughs> super um, special, all right. Yeah, I've got Gabriel Wartowski here today, who um, is also a car designer. Uh, and uh, he's been in and out of the industry. And I thought he'd be a great guest because he works one foot in the OEM industry. And OEM means, of course, uh, that those are the car companies that we all know and love. He's designed for Honda and Acura. He's designed for BMW. Uh, but he's also designed for the more esoteric world of mobility. And I want to talk about what is the future of mobility today. Uh, Paul, I was in Palm Springs um, yesterday, and I was looking at mid-century modern homes for an event I'm going to host uh, for mm -hmm. uh, an LGBT scholarship that I have. And I was thinking about these homes are a lot like what's coming in the car industry. And so that's why I wanted to get with Gabriel today because he's worked in the typical car industry, but he's also has this vision of what's coming and how it is a bit more like a residential home design. So without further ado, welcome Gabriel to the show. Thank you. Happy to be here. I'm proud that you're here. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Gabriel. Like, um, give us like the you know the thirty thousand foot of like uh, you know I'm introduced that you've worked with Honda and car companies, but tell us like what is your uh, what is your what what excites you about design? I think, and I was listening to the podcast before, and what you talked about uh, having connection and reconnecting people is what brings me reconnecting people with joy is mm -hmm. what design is all about for me. I think we live in complicated times. We have a lot of things going on, but remembering that there is joy in everyday life and designing products and cars around that. I come from a family, mother is a dancer, my father's a painter. So there's always something about painting and creating and documenting movement. And I think that's how I got into cars, frankly, is cars are this special. We were just having a conversation before about, they have a special meaning. We anthropomorphize them. They have a personality. We name them, and we move in them. And I think moving and keeping things dynamic is, is a huge inspiration. That's an interesting thing, too, that you say about anthropomorphizing cars. So, you know, in this world of design, products and cars and architects, architecture, we don't always anthropomorphize appliances. Sometimes. But, you know, you don't really give your washing machine a personality. <laughs> I can think of a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe if, yeah, and, and there are some. But really, a car always has a face and a personality. And I think that's something that makes car design unique. I think let's, let's dive into it. Because one of the great things, Paul, that you brought up earlier before we got on air here is, is what's, if, if we live in a world where we are connected to mm -hmm. our cars, we see ourselves in the cars. The cars literally have two eyes and a nose and a mouth like people do. What happens as we shift from the cars you drive to the cars you commute in that are driving you? Uh, what do you think will happen to that sort of connection we have? I think that's, yeah, I think we were s sold a dream that a car is an avatar, is a suit that you wear, mm -hmm. is something that defines who you are, socioeconomically, this or that. So, yeah, now, you know, I work downtown in L.A., and people ride scooters and bikes, and it's kind of moving away from the car and away from this notion of the joy of movement. You're stuck in traffic half the time when you're in a car. So I think there is cars have a form of connection. You connect to them, but they mm -hmm. also the distance you from other things mm -hmm. and i you think you mean because you're isolated inside you're isolated in them yeah. so i think w to your point the connection aspect is if 
moving to other modes of mobility sometimes breeds another type of connection and identity. I'm, I'm well, yeah, no, I think like, and also, yeah, or before the show, you had mentioned to kind of, you had referenced the, the horse and buggy era. Mm-hmm. And I always thought it was interesting that like, you know, uh, in, before there were cars, before we had this thing called driving, a drunk cowboy could get home from a bar on his horse because the horse knew the way. Yeah. Right. Like horse kind of knew his way home and it could get him home. And then all of a sudden uh, we took, got rid of the horse and the horse became recreational. Yeah. Uh, and the car, you had to drive it and mm-hmm. drunk driving was invented. <laughs> so, but talk to me about this connection to the horse as what happens now in a world where a self-driving car can almost be a bit like a horse. Yeah. I think Jeff Wardle actually brought this in, who is an instructor at Art Center, who yeah. I love. I studied under. But he, he brought this up a lot. He was a huge early adopter of the notion of autonomous mobility. And I think what he said, and I was also in the electric bike industry, mm-hmm. and in the U.S. we ride bikes uh, recreationally, not as transport. And there's the same notion as like a horse we don't need to ride a horse every day, but we can have a great time during the weekend mm-hmm. on a horse. Same with sailboats and tugboats. Tugboats are for hauling trash, for utility, and then a sailboat is to enjoy. So I think that ties into cars. We don't need them for every single purpose, everything that we do every day. Oh, interesting. But we can still enjoy them. So you, th- you see the future of... So that's interesting. So this idea that they, you know, when people say, oh, they're going to take my steering wheel away, you're going to yeah. like, yeah, take my car away. You, you see that the, the cars you drive will still be there, but that's more of a recreational side of if life? If you still have an attachment. I'm, mm-hmm. I think we're of a generation that loves cars mm-hmm. and that shows an attachment. There is a new generation coming that a car is nothing but a place that your parents drive you in and you have an iPad and it's a place you can catch up on things. So I think there's there's an evolving sense of what the car means to us. Mm-hmm. And tying that to a larger picture of what does movement mean to us is, is a story I'm excited about. When you, um, you know, I know that you, you, uh, you know, for people who don't know, Gabriel also started started a bike company, an electric bike. It was this really cool front wheel drive bike long before uh, uh, Bird and and, and um, uh, I can't remember the other one right now. It just flipped out of my wheels. Yeah, wheels. Like, yeah. We're doing this. You, you, you've been in this world for a long time, so you've you've really explored different aspects of what it means to move about. You also do uh, really impressive architecture studies. Do you, do you find that your architecture work influences your automotive design completely yes and also what you always say intimate spaces i think it's um important thing about a car a car interior which are often overlooked you're looking at the exterior exterior is for the world to see what you present interior is what you share with the closest members of in your circle in your life it's important i think architecture it's the same thing it's a space that you feel comfortable in. it's a space that you can relax in that that's away from the world a little solace bikes We're i think a visitor we have an uninvited guest <laughs> yes. today hi hello what do you want hi alexa <laughs> be quiet alexa we'll get back to you later sorry she's just so needy today but i also as you were saying the notion of space that's physical but for bikes what i learned with the with that company one of the things is it's a space of nostalgia and joy so even though you're completely exposed to all the elements you're in a mental space of bikes are nostalgia Bikes well, represent in the states, what we got, behavior change, changing people's behavior around how they get around takes a lot of money and a lot of time. Okay. And so this was a little early, the bike company. But what we learned is getting people on the bikes, they remembered how much fun they are. And oh, it brought them back to childhood because as Americans, most of our experience is associating bike with childhood. And then you grow up and bikes are for children. That's how a generation was raised. Uh-huh. But the space, the psychological space that you would get these secretaries who would come out and be like, I'm not riding a bike. And then they get on and the smiles on their faces. It, it's a space of joy. And I think architecturally, I try and 
emulate that space physically, and yeah. same with car interiors, what, what you, you do, Brian. Bringing joy to the space. Yeah. It's interesting, you, I hadn't thought of this, so that's why when I'm, like, if I'm riding a scooter, uh, yeah. a rentable scooter, it's different than riding a, a rentable bike. The bike actually makes me smile. The scooter, I always feel like a little unstable and like I'm in danger. Is that and you tied? need to wear a cape. I think yeah. so. You know, working <laughs> at BMW, yeah. I love Segway, I'm yeah. not, yeah. but you'd need a cape, yeah. yeah, which is great. Why would you need a cape? Be- well, because you look, I just remember oh, you look, a friend, yeah. BMW, when I work there, spends millions and millions of dollars of just having someone sit in a prototype mm-hmm. to get the proportions right. Right. Does the head look right? Does this make the person look too small or big? So oh. you're messing with proportion, I think, with a scooter and other things. And now they have a pogo stick. I yeah. Think. I don't know if you see it, which I wish them the best of luck because pogo <laughs> sticks are a lot of fun. But it's kind of the switch from... What we're talking about, your father worked at Chrysler, like a car is like, you are of this class, this is what you are. Our, 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 now our to producer here, Paul, is a car industry aficionado and veteran, and his parents worked as, his dad worked as a Chrysler executive, right? Yeah. Yes, exactly. He keeps turning around to look at me here, like, yeah. uh, everybody's like, who's he looking at? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Engineers over there. He's our here. invisible, <laughs> he's, our, he's our Ross. I'm the man the with the cape, show. right. Yeah. <laughs> but I think it's like, yeah. now we're riding scooters and no one cares how, how you look. Oh. You're kind of celebrating looking interesting and so the foolish. you look you look feel a little there. silly where a bike feels a bit more proportional well i think bikes can be proportional yeah, yeah. there's a, the, a large part of this design for the bike was making people feel comfortable on mm-hmm. it ergonomically uh you sit taller so you're more visible to other people there's a whole there's a whole thing but i think sitting on a bike is also familiar can i ask you a quick question as i'm just listening Please. to this i've seen we've had a number of people from electric bike companies in here in the studio yes. uh, pedigo being uh, oh, one i'm and, and their bikes to me look like the old beach cruisers. They're yeah. big. Mm-hmm. And I thought it, 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 it's the opposite of what I saw bikes moving towards the sleek, curved uh, bicycle racing look from well, the 80s and 90s, you know, where it was a real thin frame and it got thinner and thinner and thinner. Now they've gone back to these bulbous tires and big, oversized uh, yeah. vehicles. That's a great point. And I think that ties back to what we're talking about is this possible fear of like autonomous cars and everything. Will that take away? what we know and love about bikes. And I know Pedigo is one of the companies, you have to look at the demographic, they are designed initially, or part of them, for baby boomers who love cruisers. Mm-hmm. It was oh. of a certain time. So you think of They're the market. really comfortable, mm-hmm. too. Cruisers are very comfortable. And you're selling electric bikes initially to people who associate them as regular bikes, as weekend toys. Mm-hmm. And so you want to make them look sturdy. And if you got some back problems, or anything electric bikes help you so you're considering who you're designing you're considering for. who you're designing for and then there's also you can have that and then you can have the super sleek bikes mm-hmm. too but pedagos are yeah big big comfy bikes you know you brought up something that i don't want to forget that i thought was really interesting when you you sort of casually mentioned that at your time in bmw that they you will spend a lot of time studying how the vehicle looks proportionally around the person inside mm-hmm. i think that's probably an interesting thing that people don't realize about car design is it's not just putting pen to paper and creating a beautiful sketch you're really thinking about the the person inside can you talk a bit more about I that i can and that brings to mind big blue bus of santa monica i did a uh, bus of the future campaign for them and they're trying to encourage more white collar workers to ride the metro mm-hmm. and the bus and so they we did a survey and, uh, with a bunch of people why don't you ride the bus and one thing that stuck out with me is um, one person said because people looking through the window at the people on the bus they look sad they look uncomfortable <laughs> they look miserable I don't want to look like them. I don't, don't want to be like associated that. with yeah. them so that really struck in mind and with BMW's investment it's like you want when you see something fly by you want to see the person in it enjoy it and so you see yourself doing the exact same thing. And riding on a bike 
seeing a smile is better than you know maybe seeing, a cape and yeah. on something a little more uncomfortable <laughs> yeah. you know this, you know that's you know, an interesting else. point because i think that like as you as we get into you know uh, because because so much of what we work on in car design now which is you know and i'll just remind listeners that and viewers that Typically in car design, we work about seven to ten years out. So yeah. this kind of world we live in is, is a strange place where it's sort of in the future, always looking back on the present as if it's the past, right? Mm-hmm. So if okay. we imagine a world where autonomous, the, the debate for whether or not autonomous cars are coming is sort of over and, we, and, the, and that they are going to be here. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that exact thing you're talking about when people say, oh, I don't want to sit on a bus and look miserable? Are they going to be miserable in these uh, cars that are carrying them around? Or are we considering those things? Uh, in designing those Completely places? considering. I mean, it's we're in this, I think we're in a transitional period now where we're still believing the dream we're sold that a car is freedom, a notion of freedom. But actually, I, mean, I was raised by biking hippies. I love cars, but my parents used to call them coffins on wheels because you just, a lot of people look dead in them. If you're in a traffic wow. jam or like the beginning of every famous LA movie, there are people in a traffic jam looking miserable. So if there's a lot of work with autonomous mobility, like how else can you spend that time? What giving your time back what can you do to reconnect people to right. do this that's it's like a huge huge frontier that i think we'll speak to if you see someone happy in an autonomous car you want to you want to ride an autonomous you want to try it yeah. yeah can i ask one more question here i, it, I don't want to take over the car there's a million questions i could be asking you guys and i'm sure everybody else is thinking here too but the key one that you just brought up is the driving experience going to go back to the horse and buggy days and be communal or is it still going to be a solo place that you escape from That's the world? That's a great question. Oh, I mean, we have Uber. I was I just saw the new Tarantino movie, mm-hmm. and there was a huge hitchhiking through line with it, which I could never imagine because I was raised in the 80s. Yeah. You don't hitchhike. Right, it's, it's dangerous. The, yeah, but you did it in the yeah. 50s and 60s. And now with, you know, rideshare programs, you there's a lot it. of connecting that you do. And yeah. my brother's a comedian, and he, uh, I think he helped with the show, the Taxi Cab Confession Show. And were you connect with people and complete strangers i think in la a city and we were talking about this earlier that was designed in a certain redesign in the 60s to keep communities apart Mm -hmm. um the car and the shuttle provides a huge opportunity to bring people back together to to intermingle a little more shared rights yes you bring up so so to, to to spin on that what do you see people doing so if you're no longer driving let's say if you're not actively driving and, you, and you're commuting mm-hmm. and you do have your weekend car that you you know you, your bugatti or your datsun that's like been re-innovated and you go take that on the weekends and you enjoy it but you're in this spirit you're in this mode of commuting to work what do you see people doing in these cars like i understand that the, the, the concept is connection mm-hmm. but what are, what are they how are they connecting Hopefully not working out. That's a huge concept. When everyone, <laughs> when everyone, the first I remember in design school, a lot of people are like, "You put a treadmill in it." And then you just, <laughs> the sweat, the smells. Yeah. I think we talked. We talked about this. Yeah, a few yeah. Times. yeah. Well, there are a lot of activities that people do in cars. Yeah, but, yeah. yeah uh, both adult and. Not, I well, that's think a good point. You know, could you see a world where, you know, the W Hotel, I think what you're talking about is people connecting, you know, there's, 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 there's spiritual connection and then there's yeah. sort of like the, the more human basic connection. You know, everybody has had sex in a car at some yeah. point, right? Definitely. I mean, I think, uh, yeah. I mean, that's how, why we have yeah. bench seats, right? So Make babies can be made, yeah. baby boomers made babies and baby in bench yeah. seats, right? <laughs> <laughs> but like, do you see a world where like the W Hotel has autonomous hotel rooms? Oh my God, completely. The, so yeah, working now with, there's electric mobility, you can't really sell a car because it's got a V8 engine anymore in right. the future looking into the yeah, future yeah, yeah. assuming that we're doing that yeah so you sell an experience and so do you sponsor experience you have the w hotel yeah shuttle you get the you outside the of clubs at night Kabuki waiting one yeah. yeah so like it sort of picks you up takes you around the city and deposits you yeah. and cleans itself cleans itself <laughs> you don't have to worry about any of that 
<laughs> Definitely not. Yeah. And Interesting. Then, so in that moment, you, you, those people inside look really happy. Or maybe well, you don't see them. <laughs> so there's actually, and I'm trying to think of the Japanese, it's a ride share program where you can rent cars, uh, electric cars. Uh-huh. And they just did a survey because they found out people aren't really riding these cars. They're renting the cars, but not moving them. And so they found out in a... In Tokyo, that these people are sleeping in the cars, that they're doing auditions. If they're YouTube celebrities, they're recording in the cars. So they're using these vehicles for not the intended purpose, purpose of like driving space. around. It's a private space. I and actually so read that article, and it was because in Japan, oh in, these, in these major cities, it's hard to find a... a privacy. Privacy. Mm-hmm. Every, there's a crush of humanity on the buses, a crush of humanity on the streets. There's a crush of humanity in the offices. Yeah. Your, your apartment is... 600 square feet so how do you do it they, they found it was so cheap you could actually rent the car during the day and go mm-hmm. sleep there and just or, not move or go, at all not move at all it was just a private space and that goes back to what i'm saying i don't know that i want to be communal in a car other than maybe mm-hmm. fooling around sure uh but i just i i was of an era uh, that's why we don't ride buses that's why we didn't mm-hmm. take to ride sharing I w- that's my alone time. Yeah, I think, and I think that that you know that makes sense too because I you know I would say that in the rideshare uh, apps right now, the solo ride is still the the main one, right? It's an yeah. exception when you. Uh, and now there's a you can act if uh, tell the person if you want to talk or not. Yeah, there's I that saw that the Martha yeah. Stewart ads. Yeah, yeah. I, was like, yeah. I guess Martha Stewart doesn't want to talk to anybody. Yeah, yeah. Um, you pay more for that too, right? Yeah, so strange to me, but um, I, yeah, I think as a as a very social person, I, I typically take the shared rides because I'm always curious about. I just interested in people. Yeah. Uh, and I want to know what they're doing. And also, it's a little bit of research, right, for our industry. But I think that, like, that's a good point is that if you're – okay, so let's flip it. If you are not wanting to connect and you're taking this autonomous drive experience, mm-hmm. is it is it this is it sort of a doldrums experience or is it is it – what happens? Is, is it content in the space? Like it, There can be – I always think of my father, who's uh, recently a widower, and he's like, there's a difference between being lonely and alone. And I think alone time is a privilege now, having some privacy, having quiet, like, uh, I think it can go any way, but I think having a space where you're unplugged Mm -hmm. could be one amazing option just to reset. So instead of being connected, hyper-connected, you can be unplugged and have a zen little zone i think and or so i start getting visions in my mind of like a zen design like a like a little hotel room a spa on sure. room on, on wheels like a little 15 20 minute yeah yeah spa uh transitional and you think a transitional this is an odd tangent and i'll go but ptsd yeah. was discovered i think around the vietnam war that was the first war where people flew home instead of took a boat or something so imagine you're you're on the field uh, and then the next day you're suddenly with your wife and kids. There's no transition point. And a lot of people went crazy because you, you need, well, not crazy, sorry, wrong term, but you no, need you mean, though. They, points during a day yeah. or during your life where you have a transition where you can, you know, switch from one mode to another. And one I think transportation yeah. is, you know, you got these transition periods during the day. If you have a high-stress job and you're going to your family, Paul, you got 20 minutes. Can to I tell you a little story about that? I grew yeah. up in that era. I was just a couple of years too young to go to Vietnam, so I had other uh, uh, friends with older brothers and sisters and stuff, that uh, brothers that went. And one guy was in Special Forces, and he came back and told every kid wanted to know what was it like, what was it like. And he said he would never talk about it because he was a Green Beret. He was out on secret missions in mm. the jungle. And he said, I'm going to tell you kids one story and then shut up. <laughs> and so he told us, he said, I, and, and I'll never forget the story. He said he was up in the jungle. His, his job was to go find and capture an enemy soldier and bring him back oh. so that they could interrogate him, right? So he's out in the jungle. 
He finds a Viet Cong. He bonks him on the head. He throws him over his shoulder, and he starts walking through the jungle, and he gets lost. He said, oh, "No." So for this days, guy no, helped him. This yeah. guy, this guy, he's got a he's got a, a beat up Viet Viet Cong over his shoulder, and he's carrying this guy. And he finally realizes after a day or two, the guy's dead. Oh no! Oh, my and he's feeling, "I'm dead." Right. And he starts to pull out his pistol, and he puts it to his head. And at oh. that moment, a helicopter, American helicopter, flies over, sees him, picks him up. And within two minutes, the guy hands him a Budweiser, and he's drinking a cold Bud <laughs> and listening like, to music on the way. And he said, two minutes ago, I'm thinking I'm dead, I'm in the jungle, I'm gun. alone, yeah. and now I'm riding back listening to Jimi Hendrix and drinking a beer. Well, if that's not a moral of life story, like, just hold so on. That, it gets better, folks. That transition, you know, that uh, from one shock to the other, and I think that really is the way a lot of us feel today. I'm, I'm yeah. so inundated, I want a Zen space mm-hmm. to go. I could I, see that. I see, so I wonder if that that's the the trade-off in this time where you know if you do still have your experience of driving there's that's the that's the way that you sort of uh transition into this and autonomous world where it's actually mm-hmm. a nice experience it's not mm-hmm. this um soulless appliance like thing mm-hmm. that people are uh, imagining I, you know i can you know and i'm I, you know i since we both work in this industry, I, you know, I imagine a lot of uh, ability to, to turn off and then turn on content mm-hmm. coming in if you want to take news in or simply just mood information. You know, yep. that's kind of, uh, you know, it's an interesting, pro- it, 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 the thing that I notice with this kind of stuff is that we, there's always a way we imagine it to be and then there's the way people <laughs> use it, right? Yeah. Yeah. And um, so go ahead. Well, I just think Elon Musk on the Joe Rogan interview was talking about a movie like taking cuts i always think of like car riding yes what we're sold like driving passionate and he's like it's like filming an action movie the actual filming of the movie yeah is really boring right, like right, it's right. just a whole day of like waiting around but like the finished product is amazing, it's amazing. and yeah. like driving the idea is amazing but then you're stuck in traffic it's, right. it's yeah so it could be you know there could be some benefits to what you can do with your stuff in traffic whether it's the w hotel experience or just mm-hmm. a zen space so to switch gears a little bit, we're getting close to the end here. Um, I always like to ask people, especially very talented people like yourself, um, about inspiration because that is the point of the show is design inspiration. Who's, who's your idol in design and, and what's, how did they inspire you? How did you get into this? Mm. Idol, I have a lot of idols in design, but you are one of them, uh, Brian. I'd love to say because we're talking. We were talking about yes, (laughs) we were talking about this before. But car design, I think, is it's very close to my heart. It's a very like intimate thing. And when I went to school, I was like, "How did you get into car design?" This Mm -hmm. and everyone's like, "I just knew." When I was a child. Yeah, Yeah. there's just something, which is the most bizarre thing. I don't know if I was born in the 1800s. Like, would I want to design cars? I don't know, but I think. What inspires me is people's face lighting up when they see something. And I I think also taking a joyous approach to design, Mm -hmm. like you do, which which I've always admired. There's a... You're impacting people's lives greatly with this pet or with this car that I still believe plays a role in a family or plays a role in my daily life. And you get to design this thing that affect people's life that gets them around that gives them a comfortable safe place to stay sometimes sleep in the case of la and uh gives them a little like 
augments their personality a little bit. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, thank you for Gabriel. I didn't expect you to say that. In full disclosure, uh, so I, I, twenty <laughs> years ago when I was designing at Nissan, uh, Gabriel contacted me out of the blue via an email, and we and I didn't know who this guy was, and he he like reached out to me and set up this interview for me to do at the Advocate magazine. Remember that? And then instantly we became friends. So that is our background here. So I I didn't know you felt that. That made me feel really good, Gabriel. So thank you. Um, I think you should sort of. There's a story I want you to tell people because I think that it's it, it will be interesting to them. I think you should tell the fork leaf clover story about oh. your mother and how how that inspires you. Definitely, and I, I think um, my mother's a huge inspiration. She's a dancer. We were talking about cars. I'm a huge car head, but I was raised by biking hippies. Mm-hmm. Well, not hippies, but artists, bohemians. <laughs> and the point that they raised was my mother and I. I inherited this thing, and I know there are people who do this. I can. If you look, you can find four-leaf clover. So my mother and I, that's what we did. We'd ride our bikes around as kids. And it's interesting. One thing I learned is like in some of the most desolate city blocks where the dogs piss on all the grass or whatever, that's where the four-leaf clovers grow, which you wouldn't know. Um, but my mother and I would go to all these busy city centers or whatever. She'd stop the bike, stop traffic or whatever, get down. Uh, and look for four-leaf clovers with me. And I remember her turning up once, and she's like, see all these cars? Like, they don't see this. Magic exists every day. You oh. just have to look. <laughs> oh, her mom. And you I just, love your mom. <laughs> you stop, and it's what's inspired me as a designer. It's like we live in a beautiful... In a magic world. We just have to stop and look and focus. So wow. I think any type of design uh, that enables someone to remember where they live and the beauty that surrounds them is a source of inspiration. There's so much to be negative about, but to be able to design things that remind people that there are good things out there. Um, that's what my mother taught me. She's a huge source of inspiration. I think you continue to do that with everything you do. You make these happy spaces that people enjoy, and um, it's, it's important. It's a beautiful story. Speaking of magic, people can find your magic if they look at your website. How do people find you? After so, this yeah, long name, yeah. fun fun times. Gabriel Wartofsky is my name, Gabriel Wartofsky Design. So W-A-R-T-O-F-S-K-Y. Yeah, that, and you're on me. social media. I'm on Instagram. social media. Yeah, yeah. super yeah. popular. <laughs> I'm kind of a big deal. Yeah, really yes. fascinating. I think I took a picture of my eggs this morning. So yeah, feel free. Yeah. <laughs> well, Gabriel, this was such a treat. Thank uh, you. I it's think an that honor uh, to be here. you Thank should you come a few more times to the show because it's a it's a fun uh, it's dialogue. So yeah, um, thank you everybody for listening today. And Paul, have a how did they reach you? Oh, yes, me. We don't have to be uh, that humble. How can they reach you? <laughs> so I'm Brian Thompson. And, uh, we just you heard what a big deal you are. Uh, so, yeah. No, my, uh, my website is Brian Thompson Design, but I really. With a Y. With a Y, Brian. Actually, I spelled it, I spelled it the wrong way, too, for people that spell it that way. <laughs> with an I say, so I own that, that, that See, uh, domain smart. as well. But I'm um, also, you know, social media. I, I really love Instagram. That's my place where I share everything. Uh, B, Brian S. Thompson. Brian with a Y. S like Scott Thompson on all those handles. You can find me there. So um, thank you for listening, guys. This show is going to keep growing i'm really excited about i want to explore the future of mobility transportation here and uh design inspiration every day so stay inspired you've been listening to the only show that shows you the future of car design today right here in orange county's only community radio station octalkradio.net